Hey everybody, and welcome back to another episode of White Collars, Red Hands. As always, we are your hosts, Kashan Bachelor And Nina Kern. Uh, I want to take a moment this week at the beginning uh, to thank everyone who's still with us on this journey, uh, episode six, and... Also, to have you, if you like what you hear, if you like what you've been hearing, please leave us a review or uh, star us on Apple Podcasts or um, follow us on any of the podcasting services you listen to. Or share our shit. Yeah, share our shit. That sounds nice, too. um, Yeah, share the episodes. If you, you know, share. You know what? If one person shares our stuff 20 times... I will send them a picture of my left breast. There you have it. You're going to have to send so many pictures of (laughs) just your left tit. But uh, how many listens will we get? So it'll be worth it. We'll see when it happens. We'll see what the number sets out to. So if you have proof that you have shared our content over 20 times, maybe not my left tit, but I will send you a nude. (laughs) And you can. I will send you a racy picture, and I I promise I will do that. So. And, and you can send uh, th- that proof to our official uh, email at whitecollarsredhands at gmail.com. And besides that, if you're only looking to get nudes or if you're not, you can also send us any questions you have there or any recommendations for future episodes. We love to hear recommendations yes, from you guys. Yes, love recommendations. Our, uh, our episode this week is actually a recommendation. Yeah, so. and we want to thank... Uh, who who gave the recommendation? Do you want to plug him quick? Yeah, I'll plug him. His name is Matt Yoder. He also has a podcast. It's called Griftcast. Um, I know for sure it's on Apple Podcasts. Um, he's a friend from high school. So he contacted me. He's like, I think your shit's cool. Have you thought about this guy? And I was like, I don't know that guy. And so then I texted it to Kashan, and Kashan was like, sweet. And now we're doing an episode. <laughs> so thank you so much. Go over and listen to their podcast. Uh, and thank him for the great suggestion today yes. of the first person we've done on the podcast that uh, I've mentioned to people and they have no idea who the fuck I'm talking about. I had no idea about this until Matt told me about it. And uh, that person is Michelle Sindona. Michelle Sindona. <laughs> Mitchell Sindona. It's funny. Uh, our main our main source for today's podcast, a book called Powered on Earth by Nick. I do not know how to say this last name. Nick Toshis. Toshis. Yeah, Toshis. Whatever. Uh, Toskies. And it is a dense book. I did not read it, to be fair. Um, it what, It's not on Prime, and so I couldn't get it quick enough. And Kashan didn't read the book fast enough for me to get it, which is his, he's not to blame. So I, we will say this. I'm going to preface this. Um, Kashan did encyclopedia research. Like, real research. He read a goddamn book. I did internet research, and the <laughs> um, content, the, like, the information is vastly different from what is on the internet to what is in this book. And we have some conspiracy theories as to why that is. Yeah, this book is a uh, first-hand account. Nick Toshis uh, 
had multiple interviews with uh, Michele Sindona, both here in America uh, and when he was extradited to Italy. So this is a firsthand account of a lot of the things that happened straight from Michele Sindona. But he also got a bunch of um, documents. He did a bunch of research himself for years into this book. So it's kind of a conglomerate about all of the information that was available at the time because this book was released in the 1980s, like right right around the ending of Michele Sedona's story that we'll get to. Um, but, God damn it, I don't know anything about international banking. And that's a lot of what this book is. There's There are legitimately, like, thir- maybe not 30, okay, less than 30, like 20 pages just describing, like, the government and, like, the governmental switches in power in I, Italy. I, I can't even read a regular book. I would have never made it through that book. It was. If they wrote a play, I'd be able to read it. But see, here's the thing: uh, beautiful book. Uh, Nick Tuchis <laughs> is dead, but to any of his relatives that still own his estate, I just want you to know: great book, very informed. Um, it was hard to get through at some points, though. I will say. Um, Kashan may have called him pretentious at work. Yeah. He goes, "My God, this man is pretentious," and I said, "Michelle Sedona," and he said, "No, the author of the book." Yeah, Michelle Sedona actually seems seems not that pretentious. It's pretty nice. I feel uh, like he would have been an asshole. Uh, before we get into Michelle Sedona, I do want to. Anything fun happen this week, Nina? <sighs> Did anything fun happen this week? Well, today I got the up the nose COVID test. Samezies, so, we both got COVID tests on yeah, the same day. He got. Oh my God! Something I haven't got. Mm. Um. He got a rapid test. I did not. So hopefully I don't have it. Yeah, I am uh, like guaranteed negative. I got I... my my guaranteed sticker slapped right on me. Ooh, where? Oh, you know what? My, you I don't want to say. You know, uh, this is not about the COVID test. So my friend Snapchatted me last night. Okay. And she, I had met her here. I met her in Chicago. Uh, we worked together at a restaurant, and then since COVID hit, she has moved back home, but she's going to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's coming back for Thanksgiving weekend, and she Snapchatted me last night, and she was like, hey, when I'm back in town, do you want to get ass tattoos? And I was like... Are they tattoos of donkeys? <laughs> no. She's just tattoos on her asses. I have no tattoos. Why would I jump straight to ass tattoo? You should get a tattoo of a donkey on your ass I'm and call it your dude. ass tattoo. That would be fucking hilarious. Don't tell me I'm wrong. Uh, <laughs> I may have to do porn one day, so I just don't want... Any- I would watch porn of a woman with a donkey tattoo on her ass. I would laugh amidst my orgasm. It would be great. His girlfriend is in the other room. I swear she's probably hearing this. I'll tell her. I'll bring her out right now and tell her how much I'd love to watch (laughs) a woman with a lovely donkey tattoo on her butt cheek just Yeah, I don't think that's for me. I just was, like, kind of surprised. I texted my best friend, and I was like, do I give the vibe that, like, I would just go get an ass tattoo? Yes. Yeah, you do. Really? I believe, if you you told me right now, Kashan, I already have an ass tattoo, I'd be like, yep, that tracks. My best friend said no, so obviously she, either she's lying or she doesn't know me as well as she thinks she does. No. Uh, um, I, anything I, else funny happened this week? The kid that I tutor or do school with, mm-hmm. I said, hey, what do you want to do? Uh, do you want to do math or reading right now? And he said, uh, how about you get me a vodka soda? That's what he said. He how old is this child? Nine. Cool. 
I said, I promise you don't want a vodka soda. Can you give me some of that daddy juice? It's ew. Ah! <laughs> Stop. Something weird happened to me today, too. Uh, standing outside for my COVID test today, uh, there was this lady like walking by the CVS uh-huh. and she pulls up and she's like, Hey, you know, like Patrick something. And I was like, no. And she's like, this is, this is his name. And she pointed to it like written down on a Comcast card. He was like, this is his name. You, do you know anything about him? And I'm like, no. And she's like, he's my husband." You know, I've just figured someone might know something. You you never know. Anyway, if you know anything about him, tell me, okay? <laughs> I, was, the fuck? I was just like, yeah, sure. And she walked off. And I'm like, I don't know who the fuck that lady was. That reminds me of this one time. We went to visit my great aunt in the nursing home. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was Christmas Eve. And there was a crazy lady that she shared a bedroom with. And she was like yelling at us if we had if we have if we were to see her husband to like tell him she's like you tell him i don't want to hurt him i don't want to hit him i don't want to do anything to him i just want to talk and uh my grandpa was like yeah i'll let him know i'll let him know because he like knew how to work with old people with dementia like that and then she was like hey you guys want some chocolate and we're like fuck no we don't want your chocolate you're crazy. And then my brother was like, oh, a piece of chocolate. And he ate her chocolate. I'd eat her chocolate, too. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Actually, you and my brother have a lot of, like, in some ways, you and my brother are very similar. And that is one of the ways. I don't turn down free chocolate. <laughs> turn down for chocolate. Um, speaking about chocolate, free chocolate sounds like socialism to me. Uh, uh, yeah. And to get into that, we're going to switch back. Uh, Michelle Sindona, uh, if you couldn't tell by the name. Italian, uh, born in Italy. Yeah, in Italy, specifically on the southern island of Sicily. Yes. Uh, Italians hate Sicilians. Sicilians hate mainland Italians. Just by the way, they've had like a lot of wars or some shit. Yeah, they don't like each other. <laughs> uh, he was born uh, 1920. So this is a while ago. He was born a hundred years ago. Yeah. Mind blowing. Yeah, this all. Uh, the but you know what? He didn't have to live through a pandemic. It was over by that time. Yeah, you're right. Because of the Spanish flu was in 1917. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he was born in Sicily. Uh, his dad made funeral flower arrangements. What a depressing career. Yeah. I mean, it's not as bad as like mortician. Like you don't got to like touch the bodies. You just got to yeah, like, you got to chain even, some daisies together or some shit. Yeah, but you just know what like it's for. You know what I mean? You're just like... You're like, oh, yeah, that would, that's going to look good on a casket. <laughs> what color... You know, you know this will look really good on? Your casket. Uh, what color's a casket? Brown? You know what would look great on brown? Lavender. Lavender. A little bit of baby's breath. I just... Ah. Not a chrysanthemum. We're not a When my grandpa died, they were looking for a casket for him. And uh, my grandma was like, this red one's nice. And my mom's like, no, we're not getting a red casket for dad. And my grandma's like, not for your dad, for me. And uh, but she's still alive. But she does have COVID, so maybe she'll die soon. Oh, my God. <laughs> is there a sadder thing you could say? <laughs> I don't, no, the answer is no, no. You don't have to answer. Uh, <laughs> but that grandma, so my birthday was last week, and my grandma did give... I got a birthday card from her today, and Uh I have written confirmation that I am the favorite grandchild. 
Oh, wait. You'll need that when they go over the will. Uh-huh. So. I'm saving it. <laughs> on November 10th, 1920. I mean, not 10, not, whoa, 1920, 2020. <laughs> my grandmother wrote that there's something about the first grandchild. That's not... That's not necessarily good. That sounds like there's something suspect about Leo. No, she said. Like I maybe love... you maybe you keep like dog collars in your closet no, or no, something. No, no, no. She said, "I love all my grandchildren, but there's something special about the first grandchild." Okay, now in context, the context <laughs> that sounds okay, but out of context, it was the best gift I could have received. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> so Michelle Sindona, uh, he's born in Patty, a very small region mm-hmm. in uh, Sicily. Petit. Yeah. Not Patty. Is it petite? I don't know. Is it petite or did you just pull that out of your ass? I pulled it out of my ass. Exactly. We're going to go with Patty <laughs> because it's America, goddammit. Uh, at 14, 14, he started uh, like doing some basic clerical work at like a, a tax agency, like just like typing shit up. Normal 14-year-old shit. You know, just working in taxes at 14. Uh, I mean, he was a good student. He ended up going to the college uh in Milan, it's like the College of Milan, where he yeah. he studied um, law. Yeah. And while he was in in college um, studying law, he was also working at a tax office in Milan or a small tax See, office. Let you know. yeah. yeah, I mean that's the thing. He grew up in taxes, and honestly, this is going to be the biggest uh, the biggest boon is boon a good thing or is that the bad thing? Um, you're asking someone who's two drinks deep. I'm not sure. I don't know. Anyway, it's going to be really good for him later that he yeah. that he did all this stuff in taxes because he, after he graduates, he's had so much, uh, so much experience around the uh, very very like intricate webwork of Italian tax law. Because it's it's old over there, man. I don't know. Everything's weird about their governmental system. I don't claim to know anything. I, I don't mean, even claim to, to get fair, everything that's in this book. I think that everybody's government system is a little bit weird. This is fucking crazy. I don't. I don't. You, you know, know what? Honest, I didn't read the book. If you said a lot of stuff about this about America too, I probably wouldn't understand American tax law. So it's probably just I don't I understand know nothing law. About taxes. I'm not a lawyer. I've done taxes like for three years. I've been doing taxes for 10, and I don't know what they... I still can't do them. Bruh. Uh, I had our friend do our taxes last year. Wait. I had our friend do my taxes last year, and he fucked up. And now I owe the IRS $800. You fucked, bro. They haven't sent me a bill yet. I'm just waiting. They will. They will, Uh, though. They will. But uh, Sindona often refer to these times as the times of lemons and grain because he got into a, Is that a good thing yes okay because he got into the practice of this time uh on eastern sicily and western sicily there were very different markets for what they could grow and what what they could sell mm-hmm. so he would load up like a cart with lemons that were cheap on one side of the island and take them to the other side of the island and like trade them for grain or like sell them and then buy grain with it which was plentiful over there but not plentiful on the other side of the island so the price for lemons was higher where they weren't there so he would sell the lemons at a higher price and then bring back the grain that he would buy at a lower price and sell it for a higher price on the other side of the island you know what they say at kashan when life gives you lemons buy buy some some grain (laughs) or grain yeah i think i think that's how it goes yeah something like that Get wheat. I did do a sketch in college that said when life gives you lemons, put them in your bra. 
and then I had lemons in my bra, but I don't remember why. Oh, the wonders of college, <laughs> sketch college comedy. Uh, in my opinion, it's where the the most gold nuggets <laughs> of bread and butter of comedy <laughs> of comedy come from. Uh, I, that's just like saying, I mean, I love all of the sketches uh, or all of the improv scenes I did in college. They were definitely the best I've ever done and not me going on stage, like pr- pretending to whip around dildos, thinking it was funny. I, I did enjoy my college improv class though. I won't lie. James Al Shamo was my, uh, professor, professor, Dr. Jim. I love that guy. Shout out to Doc Jim. Uh, but so this, this is just like showing Michelle Sindona's like, um, natural entrepreneurship that he had basically, Okay. you know, not many people at his age, like a teenager are thinking like, what's the best way for me to like make some man- money. Yeah. Manipulate the supply, supply and demand of lemons and grain on the Island of Sicily. But he did for some reason because he's fucking weird. Well, he was a sneaky, he was sneaky. Yeah. It's cause his dad worked with dead people. He didn't work with the dead people. He worked with flowers <laughs> to then give to the dead people. Tomato, tomato. Lemon, lemon. It's not the same. No, it's not. Being a mortician is not the same as, like, is it putting some roses in a vase and then giving it a to vase. a... vase. Vase, vase. And then giving it to a grieving widow. Don't... Vase, vase. Uh, patty, patty, or whatever the fuck you said. Uh, anyway, he finishes this. He moves to Milan, which is, like, the... Uh, they do fashion there. Yeah. So, so like, Rome is, like, the old town. It is the capital of Italy. Yes. And it's kind of, like, the place of all of its history. Uh-huh. Milan is, like... The up-and-coming, modern, yeah. cool part of Italy. It's the modern part of Italy. It's, like, I think I described it to someone as, like, the New York City of Italy, where it's, like... Yeah, it's like yeah that, I the, think that's a good... The cutting edge of a lot of, like, or, arts or like and shit. Or, London of Italy. That works, too. I love London. Anyway... Um, and he starts he starts a tax law practice out there because he has all of this experience working in the the tax area and now he has his law degree so he he figures you know what I'll sp- go specifically into tax law and I'll work for these companies to basically help them get around taxes any way they they possibly can get around taxes yeah yeah so yeah. a tax fraud firm Kind of, but he's doing it legally, if that makes I'm sense. I'm legally cheating the government. It's what everyone does in America, all companies do in America. I yeah, don't no, think they it, do. I don't think it's good, but they find legal loopholes to help um, make them pay less in taxes. You're not wrong. So uh, he, starts do- <laughs> he starts doing tax law, and he gets a lot of renown. Uh, his tax firm ended up getting like 300 uh, different companies that employed him as their like tax lawyer and that was the most of any tax firm of its kind and he never lost a client never never no one ever went from his tax law firm to a different law firm can h&r block say that i think not they could learn a few things from michelle sedona i I mean they're probably stealing money let's be honest so i did have to go to them to fix my taxes that our friend messed up (laughs) <laughs> Stop getting your friend to do your taxes. It was Leo. Bruh. <laughs> no one else knows what that means. Uh, I will put him on blast. But bruh, nonetheless. It cost uh, me a Wendy's breakfast. So yeah, his company never lost a client, which is 
crazy. And he starts getting enough capital. And obviously this whole thing, this whole point is that he wants to get into owning companies in, into being in a higher world of finance. He doesn't just want to do tax law. Uh, he wants to actually be the companies like what he's employing at his tax law firm. And he, he buys a holding company called uh, Fasco Holding. And a holding company is basically literally a company that just like buys and sells other companies. companies. Yeah. He buys this company. He ends up buying like this um this pharmaceutical company on the downswing called Pharma Europa that he then puts his dad as the president of. Like Oh, that doesn't sound like nepotism at all. Nope. <laughs> he was like he was like, uh, uh let me pick my dad. He's like, let me hey, Poppy. I was about to do I was like I was like, let me do my really like, yeah, really stereotypical Italian accent. Hey, you better put my dad uh, in charge of your company, okay? Hey, he's, it's Michelle. I put my dad in charge of the company. He's going to come in, okay? He's only ever dealt with uh, uh, lilies and uh, daisies. He's he going, usually deals with the dead people, yeah, but he's, uh, he's good with the finances. You know, he's uh, dealt in the, the work of death for so long that he better work in the pharmaceuticals, uh, helping bring a life into the world. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fuck the men and Italians. Anyway, they were like, yeah, sure, fuck yeah, your yeah, dad fine. can be president. Just I don't care. Um, and he puts him in. He he ends up buying, like, all this real estate. So basically, at this time, Michelle Sindona grew up during the fascist era of Italy. Where Some would argue the greatest era of Italy. I'm just kidding. Hot, That's a joke. Hot, <laughs> hot take. take. Hot take. Uh, Nina, the fascist lover over here. <laughs> Uh, my aunt's husband said when Biden got elected, he said he was moving to Cuba. And someone was like, why are you moving to Cuba and not Canada? And he's like, I would rather deal with uh, capital. Wait, no, what did he say? Communism. He's, yes. He's like, sorry, I've had a couple drinks. He's like, I would rather deal with communism than socialism. And I was like, I don't think you know what either of those things are, you fucking idiot. <laughs> All right, man. Anyway, sorry. I don't love fascism. <laughs> So Benito Mussolini, the guy who killed a bunch of people that obviously Nina is in love with for some reason. I have a shrine. Um, he's the leader of Italy when all this is happening and during um, uh, Michelle Sindona's rise to fame. He has a good fame to hey, fortune. Benito Mussolini had a good dad bod. Da- do, you, do you know? Did you look I mean, at pictures a, of Mussolini? He had a dad bod. You don't know what he I, looks no, like? no, I want you to look me right in the <laughs> eyes, and I want you to tell me if you'd fuck Benito Mussolini. I mean, if he... if I mean, honestly, if I was alive at that time, and he was the leader of the fascist um, Italy, and he was like, Nina, I want to fuck you, I don't think I would have a choice. That's not a good answer. I, I can No, I can, I can see the answer behind <laughs> your eyes is yes, so we're just going to go ahead and cut that off. I know you'd fuck Benito Mussolini. Now everyone who listens to this podcast know, you, knows you'd fuck Benito Mussolini. Maybe I would murder him while I fucked him. Maybe I would fuck him to death. Well, here's the thing, though. If he was just in a bar in Chicago, I wouldn't give him a second glance. Okay. But if I'm in, I'm, I'm in his territory, I don't have a choice. Yeah, it's no, like you're if saying I that... was in North Korea and Kim Jong-un wanted to fuck me, I wouldn't have a choice. I'd have to fuck Kim Yes, you were saying that if you lived in a fascist nation and the leader wanted to fuck you, you would have no choice. But you said that he had a great dad bod, which, Im- which implies that there's some stirring in your loins <laughs> for the dead fascist leader yeah. of Italy, Benito Mussolini. It's not totally fair because... Because I will also say that Donald Trump has a great 
dump truck ass. And I don't want to fuck Donald Trump. But he has a dump truck ass. I think you want to fuck Donald Trump. I, I don't. don't. <laughs> I think you want to fuck him. No! On record, I do not want to fuck Donald Trump. I didn't. I bet you didn't think you'd be saying that that sentence today. Uh, <laughs> so uh, at this time, it's after the fall of that fascist government when he moves to Milan. So there's been a like change in party. It's the Christian Democrats now, which are for kind of like a more capitalistic society that have taken over. Uh, which Michelle Sedona fucking loves because he's right. a businessman. Right. So, of course, he loves... Hey, let me run this Monopoly. He loves a free market. Just the Monopoly man. The Monopoly yeah. man looks Italian. He I'm does. just saying that's that. That's why I said it. Uh, that's on the record. Um, so, they like... At this point, they bought a bunch of real estate. Like, part of his holding company bought a bunch of real estate. And they bought it for, like, not a lot. Like, maybe a thousand or less than a thousand liars. That's, like, the Italian money. Uh Back per day, yeah. per square foot and they like put a little bit of like money into like running electrics and shit through the land and then sold it for 3000 lire a square foot okay so he made a shit ton of money off that and he's at this point he's acquiring like a bunch of companies he's acquiring like he owns like a caramel company in sicily and he owns like a I like caramel I do is that is that sexual it could be. Great. Um, <laughs> so he owns a... But I love a Werther's original. What's What does that mean? Haven't you had Werther's original? Yeah, I like Werther's original too. Yeah, I'm just saying I like it. Oh, it's just a fact. Okay, <laughs> great. Uh, <laughs> so he he's buying... Just a bunch of shit. He was literally known for, like, prospecting companies that he think would turn a profit if they were managed correctly and just buying basically anything, getting it working correctly, like, going in and making sure that, like, they were turning a profit and just changing some key leadership roles to make sure that's happening and then selling the company off to make a profit on it. That's what he was kind of known for. Um, and because of this, he made a great fortune Milan. He became a millionaire pretty quickly uh and this is in like the 1960s so million was a lot more yeah a millionaire is a lot of money at this time let's see what i'm just gonna use my handy dandy google oh damn your google how's that different from everyone else's google um i fucked the owner of google so who's the owner of google mr google it's not mr google (laughs) (laughs) Well, my phone was listening to us because I typed in how much was a million and it said in 1960. Um, So in other words, this is what it says. In other words, a million dollars in 1960 is about the equivalent of the, well, is equivalent in purchasing power to about $8,793,243.24 in 2020. Great. So it's about eight times. Yeah. More worth than what we're That's thinking of right now. Inflation rate of one point seven two percent a year. Damn, inflation! Someone just let the air out. Am I right? <laughs> I do kind of need to fart. So. Oh my god, fart jokes! I uh, love farting. Anyway, all about highbrow here. Anyway, at this point, uh, Michel Sindona, uh met one. He did in- not fart. He farted. I don't. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> he didn't fart. He farted. Uh, (laughs) He met one of his most powerful allies. And the thing that really makes this whole case ten times more interesting to me, he met a guy by the name of Cardinal Montini. Who? Wasn't he born in Chicago? No. Wait. There was a dude... 
that he was associated with that was... He made his first Holy Communion in the Lombardy village of Concesio near Brescia. His father, Giorgio, had given him a Bible. He was He's there from is, Italy. <laughs> okay, there is somebody that he was associated with. Yeah, it was the guy who held the uh, Chicago oh, it Institution. Paul. It was Paul. Paul McCartney? Paul what? Markinkus. Marcinkus. Marcinkus. Yeah, we'll talk about him later. Yeah, sorry, never mind. False information. This uh, is what uh, just using Mr. Google. Will and he was you. never a cardinal. He was an archbishop at the okay, most. Whatever. Anyway, uh, Cardinal Montini uh, was the cardinal of Milan. He was known as the Hamlet Cardinal. Like I just mentioned, he came from a really small town. Um, and he meets him, and he ends up talking to him because he's just in a position of power. They chance meet as people of power seem to do. I don't know. People who have money literally just like set up meetings with other people with money just to be like, I have money. You, you have, have money. money? Let's, let's talk. Let's have some caviar. Yeah, let's go sit down at a hey, nice let's restaurant. let's have some caviar. Rub shoulders or whatever. Dicks. They didn't rub dicks. You didn't know that. You're right. I guess it's I don't know. It's not in your book. You're right. There is nothing about them rubbing dicks in the book. <laughs> I will give you that. Uh, he doesn't give me any of those like dick rubbing vibes. It's a dick rubbing vibe. Just describe that for me real quick. Um, a dick rubbing vibe is when someone looks just like a little bit dirty, but they're not like totally dirty looking. Just like, mm, maybe your balls would smell a little bit. And you just get like this vibe that they might rub their dick on someone else's. That's fucking disgusting. Uh, <laughs> I made that up. Great. Um, so. <laughs> Sorry. Cardinal Montini in Milan. So he he meets him also because uh, he came to the city and he had a uh, he had a disagreement with local officials like Cardinal Montini did with the government because the government is a big player in all this. Um, and Sindona kind of came to his aid, and he ended up like funding a children's hospital with him. Like he donated like two point four million dollars. Oh, that sound like someone else we talked about. Yeah, except for in this time, instead of shaking him down for $50,000, all he did was just be, uh, he just wanted to basically, (laughs) he wanted to know someone in the fucking Vatican also, because the Vatican is a powerful entity, obviously. Yeah, yeah. For those of you who don't know, it's, the Vatican City is its own uh, sovereign nation from Italy. It's right in the middle of Rome, but it's its own sovereign nation. It does everything completely separately from Rome. And it has a lot of power. It's funded from a lot of places because Catholicism is such a big religion. Yes. Over in Italy, I think it's the number one. I think it's the religion of the country. But they they actually did take it away from being the national religion of Italy because Italy and the Catholic Church were very contentious because at a lot of time, like Benito Mussolini's fascism, like uh, was very, uh, you know, was very, very right, which is actually God centric. And then uh, when they went socialist, socialism is usually very atheistic. Right. So there's this big power struggle between like the Catholic Church and Italy as a nation. Well, I will say though, if you do ever go to Rome, make sure you do tour the Vatican. It's beautiful. Go to the Vatican. Another thing, Kashan and I have in common. We've both been to the Vatican. It is. Honestly, that's one of my favorite places I've ever been. Yeah, I got it's to. It's so beautiful. I got to see all of the all of the coffins that the popes were buried in. Yeah, ten out of it, ten. It was fucking neat. It's beautiful. St. Peter's Basilica is probably yes. the most beautiful place I've been in my yes. life. Yes, 
Um, and like right outside there, there was a gift shop where I saw five kilograms of Nutella, which was cool. And then I bought a shot glass with Pope Francis's face on it. But that wasn't inside Vatican. The Vatican no, right? but the Vatican was awesome. And I climbed up a bunch of really tiny steps and thought I was going to have an asthma attack. Did you go up that tower? Tower? There was a tower. My ex made me walk up. No. I don't know what we walked up, but there was a bunch of tiny steps, and I thought I was going to have an asthma attack, and it was beautiful. I don't remember going up a tower. I don't know. But, um... Anyways, go ba- to the Vatican. Basically, uh, Michelle Sindona creates this relationship with Cardinal Montini in Milan, and there's this thing in the Vatican, because it's a sovereign nation, it, it has its own bank, and it's called the IOR, or the... This is in Italian. I will try my best. Okay. Instituto per le opere di religione. And that's the Institute for Religious Works, also known as the Catholic Church. They call it the, the Catholic Church or the Vatican Church. And they literally just work as a bank. Like they have a bank that is like a national bank, but for the Vatican City. And I they, mean, it makes sense. It's a huge, it's a huge thing. Yeah, and they do a lot. I was going to say enterprise, but I don't know if that's the correct word. Uh, They do a lot of the same things that, like, normal banks would do. They buy property. They make investments uh, all to help fund the Vatican and the works of the Pope. These people don't tithe. Uh, These bitches don't tithe. These bitches ain't giving my 10% of their income. I'm going to need to buy some property. (laughs) Well, maybe it's because, I don't know, they had distrust in them from, like, the... All the wars, yeah. That too, or even going all the way back to the Crusades. The Crusades are fucked. Uh, the Crusades bro. were the highlight of the Christian era. I'm just kidding. They I'm ate babies. Kidding. Look it up. They ate babies. I forgot about that part. Uh, we learned about it in school, though. It was bad. Don't crusade. <laughs> and. Anyway, they, they had this guy who, uh, or they had the IOR, so that's the Catholic Bank, and they ended up, uh, this guy, his name is uh, Spada, his last name's Spada. Sparta! <laughs> uh, he's working in the IOR, and he meets uh, with Sindona. He meets uh, with Spada at the IOR, and the IOR is looking for a way to kind of get more influence in the economy of Italy since they're right there. But since they're a separate nation, they do a lot of things outside of Italy because they have been ostracized from the Italian economy for so long. So they want a bank. They want to be partners with a bank in Italy, but they don't want to own the bank outright because that would be seen as a conflict of interest. Yes. So what they do is they contact Sindona, and Sindona, who previously bought a steelworks company from this guy Moitzi. Okay. This guy Moitzi owned a bank called Banca Privata Financiaria. Okay. And. Banca Vitalia. Something like that. Uh, and Michelle Sindona's like, I want that fucking bank. I want that bank, bro. I want that fucking bank. So. The IOR is also like, I want that bank, bro. So they talked. The Pope was like, I want that fucking bank. Give me that fucking bank. It's exactly word for word. It's a quote. Um, So they buy the bank from Moitzi, but then while maintaining, this is is like a weird thing, while maintaining 100% ownership of it, they underwrite some of the shares to like another bank and then 40% of the shares to 
Sindona. I will say this. During my research, I learned that you can buy a lot of banks. I did not know. You, know, you, you can just buy banks like this. Yep. Banks or companies. Yeah. You know, they're private entities. You can buy them. Why, if you have enough money, you can buy them like buying a baking shop. Yeah. I don't know why I never thought of it that way. But Michelle Sedona bought a lot of fucking banks. Yep. He did. He, I mean, that was his whole thing. He had a holdings company. He that knew. was like his kink. Was buying banks. Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. Sell me Bank of America. Oh, my God. So many banks. <laughs> oh, my I God. I love banks. Oh, my God. Chase, it looks like a hole. Uh, <laughs> I just want to like, I just want to like fuck on piles of money, whatever they call those dollars before they were euros. Um, fun fact: Margot Robbie and Wolf of Wall Street, when they had to do the sex scene on the pile of money, she said her back got cut up on all the dollar bills. So don't fuck on money. So don't fuck on a pile of money. Don't fuck on unless you're into that money. You want a bunch of paper cuts on your back. <laughs> So he and the Vatican basically go in on a joint deal to buy a bank, and that's Banca Privata Venanciaria. That is his first bank and the first step on the downfall of Michel Sindona. Now, dun, dun, dun. his friends, he's got friends in high places. And, I got friends in high places. And they're about to get even higher because that Cardinal Montini, that guy that we talked about that... Uh, often called on Michel Sindona for his advice on uh, politics and on economics. He the Pope now. Oh, damn. He's he the Pope. Pope. Montini gets gets the, elected as the Pope. Um, wasn't he Paul the Sixth? Yes, he was. Sexy. Pope Paul the oh, Sixth. I love a good Pope. <laughs> I am going to hell. Yeah, you My are. My grandparents are Catholic. They would be so upset right now. Uh, so, uh, Michel Sindona now knows the fucking Pope. He's in dealings with the Bank of the Vatican, one of the most powerful banks in the world. He owns a bank uh, that is doing really well uh, in Italy. And he says, how can I go higher? How do you get higher than the Pope? Well, easily. You take your bank that's doing a lot of holdings in Italy... Doing, doing a lot of moving, movings and shakings. I was just gonna say moving and shaking in Italy, and you t- try to make some international partners. <gasps> so, uh, Hambro's Bank, international. Which, Hambro's Bank is one of the uh, best known international banks from London, and then there's also uh, he partners with a bank, the Continental Illinois. 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 That's where we live. Exactly. Uh, Continental Illinois Bank, and they decide that they want to partner in on some deals. So they like uh, they buy like some general the General Foods Corporation. Uh, they're partners in a few other things. They basically just start buying things together. So now he's taken his his small bank and his dealings with the uh, Vatican Bank all the way up to having international partners that will go in on him in deals and takeovers of companies and the whole time he's still building up those companies and turning them over he's amassed his fortune here in italy everything's looking good for him he has all these partners all over the world now some of the biggest banks in the world are jumping onto him to help with his bank 
You know what's crazy is, is he was such he was so influential and he's obviously so influential. He's obviously so powerful, but like we know so little about him. Kashan mm-hmm. and I have conspiracy theories. Yeah. And also towards towards like like a couple of years later after they bought that bank, by the way, there was some change in leadership in the IOR and they didn't like Michel Sindona. So hmm, weird. So he bought the rest of the bank. So he ended up You don't like me? I'm gonna buy it. He's like he ended up becoming the sole owner. They just kinda of wanted to wash their hands with it. Also because they were using basically they wanted that bank to be able to make deals in Italy and then use the IOR as a financial intermediate okay. so that they would like, okay, we'll make the sale through the IOR. Cause that's how a lot of a bank, a lot of banks do. They, they either make the deals in buying things or they oversee the deals okay. of, of other people okay. by being like, okay, you make the deal through us. You give us the money, we'll get the company and then we'll give the shares to you. And we take a small processing fee kind of thing. But Sindona is becoming big. He just bought a bank and what do powerful people breed but enemies? Nothing else. Right. And uh, this is about the time that Michel Sindona will meet one of the people that is instrumental in his downfall. But at first was one of his friends. And this man is Enrico Cuccia. You want to you make a Cuccia joke? Oh, yep. yeah, okay. I do. Okay. Go yeah, ahead. Anybody with the last name Cuccia, you can't joke. It's like uh, what is, what's her name? Uh, something Macucci. She's the uh, she's the singer in Garfunkel and Oates. Kate Macucci. I think her name is her last name is just literally Macucci, and Macucci. that that has to be the worst name to be given. I wish my last name was Macucci. Nina Macucci. Yeah, I know the person with the last name Macucci sounds like someone who would have the tattoo of a donkey on their ass. You see, you see how you lead me there to believe these things about you. Uh, Kashan has reconstructed my image in two seconds. <laughs> Bam. You thought I was a wholesome all-American girl, and now no one thought I'm that. In t- <laughs> one of the previous episodes, you. At, you know what? At the beginning of this episode, we won't even go back that far. At the beginning of this episode, you said that you will send someone nudes if, if, if they share our post 20 times, which is a low number, by the way. You got yourself in some hot water with that one. And I want to remind people now of that promise you made. It's a dude of what? It could be my leg. I'll be like, here's my foot. And if you're into it. There you go. You're going to get some, we're going to get some false advertisement claims if you send some pictures of your fucking little toe. It's cute. I can cross my pinky toe over my other toe. Do not show me. Look, I'm doing it right now. I do not want to know I hate feet. Kashan wants a foot job. So let's get into the get into I some. I stuck on my toes a couple weeks ago. That's fucking disgusting. I didn't ask for it. They I, just did it. I hate that wholly. I was like, alright, this is what we're doing. You just let it happen? Yeah. You don't stop. If a man... Alright, listen. Nothing to do with Michelle Sedona. If a man sucks on your feet, you just let it happen. It's another bumper sticker. Yeah, yeah. It's another it bumper sticker. Yeah. If a man sucks on your feet, just let it happen. It actually doesn't feel that bad. Foot fetishes aren't that weird. It's fine. Yeah, but if you don't want something done to you, speak up. Okay, yeah. If you're really upset about that, don't let it If someone it. put their toes in my mouth, I would kick them with the other foot. Okay, but like I didn't put my toes in his mouth. He put his foot on my toes. 
Or wait, no, he put his mouth on my toast. <laughs> I was about to say, it was like something. Ah, three drinks. Does not match up there. I haven't drank in like 10 days, and I've had three drinks today. So. Hey, what's so, up? Pounding them three claws. Eh, one was a glass of wine before I got here. Ooh. Ooh, it's because I was on an antibiotic. I had a UTI because I got my foot sucked on and couldn't pee enough afterwards. Anyways. Michelle Sedona. I'm learning too much about you. Um, so we have to get into something that is somehow more interesting than what we're talking about. Uh, the socio-political system of Italy at this time. So the socialists have taken over. This is a socialist government at this point. Okay. okay. And, and not democratic socialism. So not the cool one. No, this is socialism. Just regular socialism. We which, don't like that. Which uh, a lot of this stuff is just so foreign to me that I didn't get it. And Pat is from Italy. Exactly. And what we're getting into is Enrico Cuccia is the leader of something called Mediobanca, which is a state-owned bank, which is just like not a thing that we have, obviously, in America in a capitalistic free market society. No. Like the state doesn't own like banks that are involved in like the buying and selling of companies no. in the nation. That's just not a thing. But Enrico Cuccia... He did. is. He, he is. He's the leader of Mediobanca. And there's a very funny story in here where literally he's like, he works for Mediobanca and he is like, every day he would eat a sandwich with his friends outside. And one day he shows up and he's like, hey, the leader of the, the, leader of the bank, I'm marrying his daughter. And they were like. <laughs> That's a smart move. I know. And they were like, bro, she uggo though. She uggo for bro. sure. And, but a, you can turn the lights out. And he's like, I don't fucking care. And then he never ate with them again. And they actually they actually called him no, and be like, they're like, dude, you've been missing our, our sandwich dates. And he's like... Yeah, you called my wife ugly. She probably was ugly. What's her name? I don't know. Um, Here, I'm going to try to find a picture. So... There probably is not one. This is like the 1940s. Um, they had pictures back then. I don't believe you. You thought that they bartered in 1914 in our episode about Richard Nixon. Check it out. I tell Nina that you can pay for things in dollars in the early 20th century here in America. So I don't remember that. Um, she was a little busted. Gotcha. <laughs> she, I looked up a picture of her. Yikes. Uh, She's very, very average. But he never ate with his, like, friends again, and they contacted him, like, hey, why haven't you been eating with us? And he's like, honestly, a man of my stature really can't be seen with people like you. Like, that's what he fucking said to him. What a fucking asshole. No, he's a fucking asshole. Anyway, he he hears about me, uh, Michelle Sindona. He's entered. He's this new young lion in the area of bank finance in <laughs> fucking Italy. And he's like... I gotta meet. I gotta meet this young upstart. So he has a meeting with him, and he brings him. He like brings him in, and he's like, he's like, oh hey, what's up? Like, I guess he feigned being poor a lot. Like that was something he liked to do. Like, yeah, he he. Well, he ate sandwiches a lot. So. Well, there you go. He dressed very modestly, and he didn't really show his wealth outwardly. Um, as my religious upbringing taught me, modest is hottest. So. You're so conditioned. Um, uh, he showed up and they have this meeting. And the biggest takeaway for me in this meeting is that there's this part where he's like, if anyone sends me a really expensive gift, what I do immediately is send them a gift that's more expensive back to them to show that I don't want to receive these kind of gifts. 
That'll show him. Exactly. So what, what Michel Sindona does, it, he, Michel Sindona sends him this really beautifully illustrated book. And then uh, Enrico Cuccia sends him back like this really nice gift in return. And then Sindona contacts him and he's like, you don't have to do that. I own the publishing company that makes that book. I don't have to pay for it. <laughs> Just to fuck with him because he remembered he said that and he wanted to fuck with him. I like that. Uh, not going to lie. <laughs> because he, uh, Enrico Cuccia, honestly, uh, he was also known for being very private. Uh, Michel Sindona was known for being very private in his dealings as well. Like there wasn't a lot known about him. Um, but Enrico Cuccia seems kind of like a dick. Uh, I mean, yeah. If he says, I can't eat sandwiches with you because I'm cooler than you. I mean. Yeah. And, you. and there's some more reason. It was because he was having a five. Five dollar. Five dollar foot long. Uh, I was in a subway today. You hear Jared gained all the weight back? In jail? Yeah. Yeah, I bet. So. Um, I remember when he got busted, uh, my mom was like, I can't believe that he did that. And I was like, yeah. He was like, hey, kids, want to see my foot long? And then my mom got really upset with me. I can see why. From everything I know about your mom, I could see why she would be very upset with you. And I was dating somebody at the time who was not American. And so uh, English was their second language. And he was like, what do you mean? What are, what are you talking about? And I was like, oh, Jared got in trouble for kitty porn. And he thought I meant porn with cats. No, kitty porn with T's instead of D's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Anyway. Uh, side, side note on this, in here it mentions, there's a little bit about uh, Gaddafi, like the, the famous dictator, the Libyan dictator that got like stabbed in the ass. Like we had that fun thing. I love being stabbed in the ass. Oh my God. Uh, we had that fun thing a while ago when you could like, like when we were in high school or I was in high school, we're just a couple of years apart, where you'd yell like, Gaddafi, and then you'd like, you'd like shove your hand into your friend's butt cheeks. Um, I think that was an Arizona <laughs> Like, Gaddafi and... Like, like shove something up the, the, like pretend to shove something up their butt. Uh, no, I've never played that game. It's like that Japanese game that kids, the Japanese play kids play, where they like put their fingers together and they shove their fingers into yes. their friends' buttholes. Yeah. Um. So it was like that. Fun fact about me: I lived in Japan for a year and taught English, and I had a student do that to me one time. That's uh, illegal in America. Yeah, you can't shove your fingers into people's asses without them saying it's okay. It's legal in America. It should be. Anyway, the Libyan... I didn't like it. The Libyan dictator Gaddafi actually owns a majority sum in fiat. I still can't get over the fact that you guys would poke each other in the ass and yell Gaddafi. You're more weird about that than this, this Libyan dictator literally owns like a majority stock holding in like tiny cars. Yes. Oh my God. You shove, you, you pretend to shove some stuff up your friend's butt every now and again. It's not weird, right? Right? This is an Arizona thing. Okay, fine. It's weird. Right, I don't care. I forget about it. Anyway, he owned Fiat. I just thought that was interesting. It is interesting. Uh, he owned it? Owned it? No, he owned like, he didn't own a majority share, but he owned 13.5% of Fiat, which was a large percentage. That's a lot. You don't um, see many Fiats here. Exactly, but they're big over there. It's a big company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. And it was even bigger then. But, but it was at this time that uh, little car, big company. Enrico Cuccia came to Sindona because the Medio Banca had like basically they had accidentally, accidentally in quotation marks, avoided to pay taxes on some dealings that they did that were like off the record. Basically, they avoided paying taxes on this deal that wasn't put onto the books of Medio Banca. 
Okay. And it was because of some guy like in the company like fucked up or whatever or was doing it on purpose. I don't know. But he comes to Sindona and he's like, help us out with this basically. Right. Um, and this is a state-owned bank, by the way. So this is the government that literally like did some shady-ass business dealings that now is asking Sindona to come in and help them out. So because Sindona still owns that and runs that tax uh, law company, he basically writes up all of these tax briefs, uh, which which kind of rationalize out what happened and helps them in their um, – helps them in their business case and he also makes it so uh like he basically makes it purposely complex like as to what happened and to kind of make it look like it wasn't their fault but the other person's fault so they end up settling instead of taking it to court but they were in the wrong kind of thing interesting um so he helps out mediobanca like the state-run bank at this point even though he hates socialism, so that's also another reason he doesn't like Enrico Cuccia. And then Sindona buys a thing called CTIP. It was a uh, let's see, a petrochemical engineering company. We won't get into what the fuck that means. No, that's a different podcast. Uh, but he owned uh, CTIP, and basically Cuccia came in and told him, he's like, hey, there's this person that wants to buy CTIP. Uh, can you make that happen? And it turns out the person who wanted to buy it was another gas company. So it was someone in direct competition with contracts that CTIP already owned. Like they were going to like develop factories and stuff for competitors to the buyer that wanted to buy it. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I can't do that. That's like, like if we, if he comes in, they're going to lose all those contracts and it's going to, the business is going to fail basically. Right. And, Enrico Cucci was like, lie. He said, (laughs) he said specifically, there are ways, there are ways, which is a very fucking Italian thing. Um, But they drew up a purposefully like misleading and confusing bill of sale to like not actually know who owned it. Interesting. And he sells off a majority of the stock to this competitor. And they fuck it up. (laughs) They, they put a, they put this chairman uh, or president of the company, Paul Bowl, very funny name. Paul Bowl. Paul Bowl. A little. Uh, I thought of it. He's got the same name as Paul Pot, the guy who made the uh, the child army. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, the only other Paul I know. Out of all the polls, god damn. God damn. They're almost as worse as the polls in this last election. Am I right? Right. Uh. <laughs> So he I, he's terrible. He runs it into the ground. Basically, he they have this like twelve point five million dollar deal that's supposed to happen in Egypt, but Paul hates the hates Egyptians for some reason. So the deal falls so through. Pyramids, I hate them. Yeah, God, God damn it! I like you let the Israelites go. I hate you. Why couldn't they be squares? Right? I'm a square fan. Um, <laughs> I hate no parallel lines. <laughs> We're talking about parallel lines in fourth grade right now. Topical. Uh, So he's running into the ground, and then they come back on Sedona and be like, you sold us a shitty company. (laughs) And he's like, I fucking did not. And then Enrico Cuccio comes to him and he's like, hey, so they're really... might be a shitty company. Enrico Cuccio is like, they're really upset. Like, here, 
Here's what you do. You just give them 5% of your stock holdings. Which is a lot. Without them paying for it. And we'll just call everything good. And This is the worst trade deal in the history of trade deals. Exactly. And Sindona at first was like, no. But then he relented. But then things got so bad. Like Enrico Cuccia took this offer to pull bull. And he's like, no. Fuck that guy. I think he falsified the books and he sold us a shitty company. So I reject it. And they ended up going into like this mediation process in which he chose to settle for an amount of money to give them for like the downfall of the company. But he chose not to give them the 5% of the stocks anymore. <laughs> he was like, fuck you. I'm not giving you that shit anymore. Which, I mean, honestly, honestly, that's a little bit fair. I feel like it's fair. No, it was definitely fair. And he he comes back, they settle, and then they end up selling the company off. Like, they don't want anything to do with it anymore. And Michelle Sindona is kind of vindicated in this because the company immediately picks up where it, where it left off and, like, turns a profit. Hell yeah, Michelle! So, so it was purpose... It was mismanaged, basically. To say the least. And at this point, uh, Michelle Sindona is kind of done with socialism. He's... He's pissed off at Enrico Cuccia because Enrico Cuccia actually came and the last time that they ever had any sort of friendly dealings after this or tried to, Enrico Cuccia was like, hey, sell me 2% of your share in uh, Banca Privata Financiera and that will let me act as a arbiter with your intentions in mind on dealings that go on between your bank and somebody else. So basically he was like, you know, let me in and I'll... And I'll be able to make some decisions on your to be behalf. Skeezy. Yeah, he was trying to control him. And in the book, it's funny. Michelle Sindona says that he told him to spit blood. Well, that sounds bad. Which is that's just a funny thing. Like said, like I'm assuming it means fuck off. Yeah, but I'm yeah. gonna start telling people to spit blood. Hey, spit blood. Hey, spit blood. At work, I had a man. This was like back when I was in high school, early college. I had a manager who would always say to go pound salt. Disgusting. I don't know what it meant, but... I don't know what that means either. It means, like, go fuck yourself. Go pound salt. Go pound salt. Uh, so after this, Michel Sindona goes and tries to start things in America. He wants to get out of the, the socialism in Italy. He buys Brown Paper Company. That's the first thing he buys out there. It's literally, like, a fucking paper company. Hey, people need paper. No, you're you're right. Um, so he buys a paper company out there, and that's his first foray into, like... American holdings. And so that's the first person. Enrico Cuccia is the first person that helps uh, in the downfall of Michel Sindona. Thanks, Enrico. The second is a person for which there is absolutely no information about on the internet. None. I I actually think he might be in witness protection and that we don't know. Ah. And his... Ah, that's a good theory. Because there's nothing. Yeah, and it doesn't make sense. There's nothing. There's some. There's some newspaper articles about him stepping down from a bank later, and that's it. Yeah, that just doesn't make sense. And his name is Carlo Bordoni. Uh, Carlo Bordoni started out as like a broker for a bank that he then uh, Citibank that he then got fired from because he was basically making these speculative um, dealings on international currency. 
So what he was doing is he was basically saying, like, I think that the price of the dollar, the American dollar, is going to go up. So I'm going to invest in the dollar now, expecting it to go up. Okay. So it's, it's kind of like gambling, because you don't really know what for sure. What a fucking bad deal. Exactly. And he made a lot of bad deals, and that's what got him fucking fired. And now a a futures investment is something that's very similar but better a futures investment is something that actually michelle sandona did in the time of lemons and grains where he would go to a grain farmer and he would say how what what's the price of your grain right now okay here's the thing you hold that price i will give you five percent now for that price and i'll come back in two weeks and i'll pay you the rest hold it for me and he would wait for the price of grain to go up and then he would come back and buy it from him and then go sell it at a profit somewhere else because the price of grain has gone up. And Sneaky. and if the price of grain goes down, you don't go back and buy the rest and you're only out 5% of the initial investment. Smart. And that is something that people do like in bigger finance. Yeah, you can, they you, do it all the time. Yeah, you have something called futures investment where you you put money onto something saying if it goes up, I will exercise this right to buy it and then if I don't I'm just out the percentage that I put down on it right um, but what Carlo Bordoni was doing was just like putting a bunch of money into it just expecting it to go up and when it didn't he would lo- he lost them a fucking shit ton of money so they fired him right and he was a broken man and he ended up coming to Michelle Sindona being like no one will hire me I f- hey no one will hire me I did a big old fucky wucky now no one will hire me will you hire me and Michelle Sindona's like um he reached out to um, Hambrose, the big bank in London, and he reached out to uh, the Chicago bank. And they were like, fuck no, we're not dealing with that guy. That guy's shit right, right. at his job. So he's like, he's like, you know what? Let's start a different company. He made a company called Money Rex, which basically they just have like 10 telephones in a room. And what they do is a bank. Sounds smart. A bank will call them and be like, hey, I want to buy I need like $10 million. And they would call another bank and be like, hey, this bank wants $10 million. They'll pay this interest rate on it. And they'll just call multiple banks and one of them will accept. And then they'll transfer the money to Money Rex. Then they'll transfer it from Money Rex over to the bank that requested it. So they're literally... Money Rex was the original Venmo. You heard it here. Basically, but for millions of dollars between banks, they're just doing like financial transactions and they're taking a brokerage fee on it. So there's no risk because he was like, I don't want you to have any no risk, risk in this. We love no risk, especially with someone who sucks at risk. Exactly. And that's going to be instrumental in the future. But yeah. it, it started, it didn't turn a profit for the first like three years. And then on like the, the fifth or sixth year or something, they did $40 billion worth of transactions, which was more than any bank in the world did that year. That's crazy. Yeah. Which is 40 billion. Yeah. Which is insane. And around this time comes the first time that he is known to be or thought to be with the mafia. So if you read online. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. If you you read online, it will literally tell you that he was he was a mafiosa, that he knew the mafia, he was definitely in bed with the mafia. But this book paints a very different picture. This book almost leads me to believe that he was not involved with the mafia, which is so interesting. I wonder why that is. 
it was it was rumors basically like rumors got big and something that actually we can talk about it now there was a there was a like article that was published by this guy who did like radio spots for like ABC News that literally said that there was like this meeting that happened at a hotel where all of the the mafiosi in Sicily like got together and they chose someone to deal with their finances from their heroin ring that they were running mm-hmm. and that they chose Michelle Sindona but there is no evidence of it at all. Interesting. There's none. But because it ran, every like everyone started Fake to believe news. it. Exactly. And that guy later like stole five thousand dollars from like ABC and like faked his own like kidnapping by the mafia. Like really stupid shit. $5,000? Like, that's all you're going to steal from ABC? Yeah, well, at least allegedly, the charge did get thrown out because of lack of evidence later. Interesting. But that became... That became believed as history like it became so publicized that it was believed as history but in reality there's no evidence for it interesting so much so that it's quoted on his wikipedia page that that happened Hmm. that lucky luciano who was at that meeting appointed michel sindona as it but i think it's just because he's this big financial figure yeah and they were like yeah of course they'd choose him uh but he did however know this guy his name was judge defalco he was like he was a judge in New York that was known to be like uh, he was known to be associated with the mafia in New York, and Michelle Sindona did know him, and he had a couple of dinners with him and things like that. In this book, though, he is quoted as saying he was a crook. He was a he was a cool guy, and I liked him, but he was a crook. Michelle Sindona was a crook. No, the DeFalco the, was a crook. Oh, was got a crook. It, got it. Got it. Um. But that wasn't the most interesting person he met. He actually met someone else that we've covered right here on the podcast. Who was it? It was Richard Milhouse Nixon. Damn. He had quite a few lunches with Nixon. This yes, is he did. This is after he was the vice president and after he lost the the governor race in California like we talked about on episode three. Yes. But... He met him. He was back working as a lawyer again because Nixon was a right. was a really a shitty uh, orgasm hating lawyer. Or um, well, he wasn't a divorce. This is the one thing he wouldn't do. It's one thing he wouldn't do. Um, he was a really shitty lawyer, and he went back to his practice and he met with him a couple of times because he knew another lawyer that worked at his practice, and he kind of knew. He's like, yeah, they say this guy's going to be president someday, and then he was. Good, Hashtag #Watergate. Good person to have. Tune into episode three if you haven't already. And now, Michel Sindona denied any work with the mafia. He denied laundering money for the mafia, which was one of the biggest charges, that his banks in Italy were being used to launder money made through the heroin trade. Okay. Yeah. And, and he says he says no, and he actually says uh, Nick Tochis asked him what banks do launder money for the mafia then. And he goes on to tell them, like, a lot. <laughs> That's very interesting. Like, what a- snitches get stitches. Man, at this point, though, his life is basically over. Because all of these right. all of these interviews happen after he's already convicted for, like, 25 years. And he's, like, 65 years old. Oh, fuck it. I'm gonna die. And, spoiler, he's already, like, Michelle Zendona's already tried to kill himself once by the time that he starts interviewing yeah. him. Yeah, can we talk about that for a second? Sure. He, he can't. He did such a shitty job. They thought it was staged. 
Because, yeah. like, he tried, he took a bunch of, like, pills to stop his heart. Yeah, he took, like, 35 different pills that were and available then he to tried him. To, and, and tried to slit his wrist at the same time. The, the cuts were superficial. Yeah. And then... He went, he went, a, he also went across the street, not down the road. So, it was for show and not for... For actual killing. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, great, great at laundering money, terrible at killing himself. Now... This is one thing that might be... But if you are struggling with thoughts of suicide, please reach out to the National Suicide Hotline or a good friend who will take you seriously. Yes, your... Life matters. You have worth here on this earth yes, and you, you need to know that. Michelle Sedona? Maybe not. No. 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 Um, <laughs> this is something that might be dry to a lot of people, but this is something I found the most interesting in this book. Which means it'll be dry. All right. This is the most interesting thing to me in this book. Michelle Sendona goes into ways that you can actually launder money. Okay. I do want to hear this. All right. So, firstly, you know what a bearer bond is? Because I fucking didn't. No. So, a bearer bond is a bond that's issued with no name on it. So, there's no way to know who owns it. So, it's often thought that whoever the owner is is whoever has the bond at any one time. Okay. So these are things that are still bought and traded today. So a bond represents money of some sort, as people probably know. And they have these bearer bond companies that are set up in tax haven countries where you can, like, invest money into bearer bonds. And then because of the secrecy around bearer bonds, they can spread that money out to somewhere else. So it's basically a way for you to buy things or to uh, make money transactions completely secretly. Oh, oh. So what you do, all right, you Ooh, set up you set up a bearer bond company that you own, but no one knows you own because they don't have to because there's so much secrecy in these countries about who owns businesses. They never have to be disclosed. No one ever knows you you own this. So what you do is you set up an account with this bearer bond company that you own. Okay. You deposit however much money you want in it. All right. Now you draw up a contract of employment of yourself to this company come on no 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 no. yeah they do this to this company for some made up reasons like oh i give them financial advisement they pay me an advisement fee whatever they pay me an advisement fee of this much money and then you take your dirty money money made through illegal practices deposit in there and then pay it back to yourself and because they don't know you own the company it's fine yeah and so the government the the government knows this happens but it's so hard to prove that these like contracts are fake that they can't do anything about it what yeah i'm mind blown right now yeah this is crazy all right uh one of the other ways the 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 biggest way for me that like blew my mind was you have to own a construction company. Okay. All right. You have to own a construction company. You build something with the construction company and then you have an engineering company that's illicit with you. Like they, they know what's going on and they want to do it with you. Okay. They're your partner. Okay. They bill you for what you've already made. So of your yeah, so now it looks like it costs double what it actually cost. So it reduces the the amount of profit you got from it when you when you didn't actually lose any money. So you pay the the engineering company and they give you like 75% of the money back and keep 25% of themselves. So they profit off of it and then it makes it look like it costs more, which reduces your tax 
that you pay on it. And if you make it to where it was a loss, you can deduct it on your taxes and make money back. Okay. As I have, I have thought this before and I will say it again now. I am not smart enough to launder money. Absolutely not. No, I'm the, not smart enough to do it. This is hard. All right. Yeah, it's this is, this is hard. Not an easy thing. You have to have a lot of knowledge about how to buy and sell stocks and about how to move money in a company and about how to do accounting. I couldn't do this fucking either. I get the basic idea of it, but I can never put it into practice. But the fact that people do this pisses me the fuck off. It's bullshit. Yeah. And it's annoying. Oh, and the uh, the worst one, and he said the most foolproof one that you could literally launder as much money as you want whenever you want, has to do with buying and selling foreign money. So what you do is you go back to your bearer bond company, okay? okay? Your best friend. You set up a deal with your bearer bond company and a bank in the Far East. I don't know if they still do this, but I guess at this time in the 1980s, the Far East would deal in these transactions. So what you do is you you do a futures, like what we talked about, but on on um, the price of yen. Okay. All right. So you, you say, hey... Uh, I want to put a futures on yen in six months. I want the opportunity to buy so much yen for this much money. And if the price of yen goes down, you exercise it. And then you, the money from yen comes in. And even though you lost money on the deal, you turned your dirty money clean through the transaction because you paid in dirty money, but you're getting clean money in yen back for it. Oh my God. I know. It's very crazy. If anyone's still following along with this uh, now, thank you so much. It's very interesting to me, but it might not be interesting to you. Uh, now, if the money goes up, you actually You've made money. Well, you decline the option to buy it then. Oh. Because all you're out at that point is the $20,000 fee to the bank to set it up, and then the $1 million fee to the bearer bond company for the premium for the transaction. But remember, you own the bearer bond company. So you actually make that million dollars. My head hurts. I know. And this is the worst part is that the million dollar loss that you record, you can put on your taxes and you can claim it as a loss and you get a tax deduction. Man, fuck these people. Yeah, fuck these people. Fuck the rich. It's like why we started this whole fucking thing. That's just, I don't, I just don't get it. Like, I don't get how you figure this shit out. Like, I am not totally stupid, but I am stupid enough to not understand how this works. Yeah. I don't get it. Oof. Like, you just explained it to me, and I'm like, okay, I kind of get it, but I still don't actually get it. Now, this is a fucking thing that you would literally need, like, a big a big board and, like, some markers and some people to help me out because I, I can't say I just want to know how, like, the first person figured this out. They're like, hey, let's just, like, buy a bunch of yen, and then... So Michelle Sindona seems to be the first person to pioneer this this type of di- way you of doing motherfucker. it. motherfucker. Because he he was more able in the realm of international currency exchanges than anyone else at this time. I hate currency exchange. He never said he did any of this, but like Come on, you fucking did it. You yeah. know too much. Um Moving on from that, uh, that was the most interesting part of the book to me, was learning how to launder money. Will uh, you take that knowledge and use it? Absolutely not. I need to, like, literally buy a company. I have no money. <laughs> wah, wah. Wah, wah. You need money to be able to steal money. That's how, that is true. That's how Wall Street works. That is true. Um, 
At this point, the IOR, the Vatican Bank, approaches him, and they basically say, Hey, sorry, Mr. Michelle Sindona, sir, but we bought some bad companies, and they're not doing so good. We'd be pretty happy if you took them off our bejeweled boy-touching hands. Exactly like that, I'm pretty sure. And I it, think that's exactly how it uh, They They had these two companies uh, <laughs> that they wanted to get out of the way, and they were like, we'll re- they basically said, like, we'll remember this if you help us out in our time of need. So he bought these companies. They were going to put a good word in mm-hmm. for, with God. Exactly. And one of them was SGI, which was like this this big uh, construction company. That- you got to own a construction company. To launder money. It's only, he owned a lot of construction companies. Just He owned a lot of companies, but he owned a lot of construction companies. Just saying. Weird. Um, so SGI. And he looked into the books of these companies. Even worse than what they said. They literally said in the book uh, he had just learned that he took a shot in the pants from the Vatican. I think is what they said. A shot in the pants. And I think I wrote in my notes, uh, the IOR fucks Sindona. I wrote someone fucks Sindona about like six times in this book. Uh, but he deserved it. Like, I don't feel bad for him. But he did, that one he did turn around. He ended up, he ended up merging it with some of his other holdings that he had. And it became a big company like that held a lot of different things. And he created like a finance uh, branch of it that ended up returning $10 million in profit in the first year, which is like... Okay, so don't Pretty great you. for a finance company. The other one, though, was uh, I forget what the other company actually did, but it was part of something called the the Trinaria Accord. It means like three prongs in Latin or some shit. Anyway, it was basically in construction companies in Sicily. There was this thing that if you got a governmental contract, you were supposed to give three percent as a kickback to the socialist to like the government and then they would split it out between the parties and this was just a thing that always fucking happened so we talked about how that was uh that was the reason spiro agnew uh richard nixon's vice president ended up having to step down because he did kind of the same thing but imagine if everyone in the government just always did that sicily how do we know they don't though you're right (laughs) like they probably do they just haven't gotten caught i mean you're you're fucking right. Un- unfortunately, I might be right. I'm not right very often, but this time, I might be right. Uh, so, Michelle Sindona ends up selling that off because he doesn't want anything to do with it, is what he says. Right. Um, he probably just didn't want to lose the money on it because I'm still not sure if he was ever doing anything with the mafia. Uh, and then he moved on to trying to make like an international trading bank. Uh, he was shot down because... Like, the socialist government didn't want him to make these big international ties because then his bank would be more powerful than the state-run bank. And and Enrico Cuccia was like, fucking no. They literally right. told him at one point on their second attempt to do it that he's like, if you... It was like they were trying to buy these cement companies, like the biggest cement company in Italy. He's like, if you buy this, we're just going to have to nationalize cement companies. What the fuck? Which basically means they'll just... They belong to the state now because that's a thing that can happen in socialism. So that's my second time that uh, Cuccia fucks Sindoni. I wrote that right up there. You know who he didn't fuck? His, His wife. 
No, they probably fucked. I mean, let's be honest. Totally fucked. Yeah, we fucked. If, if he will stop eating sandwiches with his best friends, I don't no know if they were, I don't know if there's best friends, but he'll jump on a grenade. Yeah. And she was the grenade. We've all heard of sandbagging. Wait, what? Haven't, don't you know the term sandbagging? Kind of. But so it's like when you're out with a group of friends and you guys see some girls that like are hot or it's just you and one friend and your friend sees someone who's hot but she's with a friend and her friend's not as hot. You're like, all right, I'll hook up with – I'll like talk to the hot, the unhot friend so you can get with the hot one. And it's called sandbagging because she's like the grenade that will blow the whole thing up because she doesn't want her hot friend to get with somebody. So you talk to the ugly girl so that she doesn't derail your friend who's trying to get some sandbagging. I was going to say, you have not seen the Jersey Shore, have you? And probably good. No, I haven't seen the Jersey Shore. Yeah, so jumping on a grenade was the same thing that they pioneered. That was a saying they said on the show, which is like, you got to jump on the grenade, bro. And, and the grenade was the, ugly, the ugly woman. But she was a grenade is like big and was big and round. Ooh. It's specifically used for Fat girls. a larger woman. They called, a, they called a skinny, uh, ugly woman a landmine. Jump on the landmine. That's that's an actual thing that happens. Just like Qaddafiing. So, you know. But the Jersey Shore is trash, so I don't know. Don't take advice from them. I'm not trying Snooky. to, Snooky. Have you actually watched the Jersey Shore? Obviously you have. You've watched multiple episodes. No. Then I how just, do you know that? Because I just remember this. So I don't know. It was when I was in, like, middle school or something. I have never once watched the Jersey Shore. You've never once watched the Jersey Shore. I have never watched a whole episode of the Jersey Shore. Which is shocking, because I love trash television. After this, I'm going to go home and watch The Bachelorette. I fucking knew it. I was just about to say it. I was like, you watch The Bachelor, I can tell. I do. Um... I've been watching it since I was 14. I've literally been watching it for half of my life. That's so sad. Yeah. That's almost the saddest thing you said today. The thing that we can't put on the podcast no, not the saddest thing. No, yes, that's the saddest thing. The second saddest thing was the thing about your, your grandma having COVID that you said and earlier. And then the third thing, me watching The Bachelor for half my life. Yeah, but the second and third are very close. Uh <laughs> Moving on, this is about the time uh, that the someone who will, spoiler alert, end up dead at the end of this story, wah, wah. Roberto Calvi. A lot of people end enters. up dead at the end of the story. That's true. I, I told you it plays like a Shakespearean tragedy. It like, does. Everyone's Everybody just fucking dead. dies. Um, Roberto Calvi enters, and he is he's on like the director's board of uh, Banco Ambrosiano. It's just another bank in Italy that's well known that uh, Michel Sindona has a lot of ties with. And he comes and he's basically like, hey, uh, you're powerful. I want to be powerful. He says that like this book paints him as being very meek. Like he's got a tick that when he's nervous, his mustache uh, twitches and, and, that, and that he's kind of like it, it, like a little small chinchilla, like all scared and hunched oh, over. chinchillas are so and who knows? Maybe My Roberto. Great teacher had a chinchilla. Well, maybe Roberto Calvi was cute. His I didn't, name was Carlos. I didn't look at Carlos the chinchilla. Yeah, I liked him. I don't know why. Vaguely racist. Mm, probably we were in Ohio. Vaguely racist. That might have been her chihuahua, actually. 
more racist then for sure if you name your chihuahua carlos and you're like white as wonder bread you know i actually now that i'm remembering the story i don't remember what the chinchilla's name was but the their chihuahua's name was definitely carlos she would pick up the dog and probably say like yo quiero taco bell like something really racist miss miss landis probably would Anyway, Roberto Calvi, the chinchilla-like man that was nothing like this racist chihuahua. Uh, The chihuahua's not racist. I'm not demonizing him. I'm sorry. Miss Landis was. (laughs) Yes, Miss Landis, you are racist. Uh, He comes to him, and he agrees to try and help him out. And this is when, I think we talked about this before we started recording, that in order to get a majority share in this bank, what they did is they set up a bunch of ghost companies because the bank would only sell 3% of its share at a time. But that meant a lot of the shareholders had low percentage shares. So to get the majority shareholding and have the majority say in a company, they only needed like 15%. So they set up a bunch of ghost companies and then had all of the ghost companies acquire stock in the names of the companies and then were like controlling the bank through that, which is illegal, by the way. And confusing. Yeah. So Roberto Calvi uh, finally gets like uh, put as the president of the Banco Ambrosiano. And at the same time that he is rising to power there, the guy we talked about earlier, Marcinkus. Oh, the one who was born in Chicago. Yeah, and he's like big as fuck. He, he's actually... He Not was, in size. No, in size. What? Yeah. He, he, he was the bodyguard of the Pope. He was so big. I missed that. He was so big that they were like, hey, big man, you watch the Pope. You look like you could beat off a man with a stick. Uh, Oh, he was 6'4". That didn't sound right. I'm sorry. He probably could beat off a man with a stick, though. Let's be honest. He's got those big hands. White collars, big hands. Oh, my God. You know what they say about men with big hands? Big gloves? Big gloves. And penises, I hear. Anyway, uh... I've heard that. <laughs> Marcinkus uh, comes into play. And Marcinkus, uh, he served as the bodyguard of the Pope, like I said. And then he was report- appointed as a secretary in the IOR. And when the president ended up stepping down there, he, like, wormed his way into being the president, even though he had no idea anything about finances. Oh, weird. He knew nothing. He lied, though. He lied to them saying, like, I know a bunch of powerful people back in America. I know a bunch of powerful people in the finance world here. Who does that sound like? Donald Trump. Yep. I mean, he does know a lot. of Like, Trump knows a lot of powerful people. Fair, fair, fair. He just in himself is also an idiot like this guy, Marcinkus. Right. Uh, He uh, becomes the president of the IOR and Michelle Sindona fucking hates this guy. He, he, he like fucking roasts him so much in this book. He calls him a fucking idiot. Like all the time. It was hilarious. Now I don't know this guy in real life. All right. But, but I kind of have to side if everything Michelle Sindona said about him, like how he lied to get there and all of the dealings that he did while he was in, the appointment were true. Yeah, he was kind of fucking stupid. <laughs> I believe Michelle Sedona on this one. I think so too. And there were there was other questions that came under Marcinkus too, like while he was there, like he before everything happened with, with Michelle Sedona's downfall. Later, he he was all, he was under investigation for like avoiding like or like doing some shady dealings with other companies too. And at one point. Basically, what what they would do is someone would come 
to the IOR and they would give them money and say, hey, I want you to transfer this money to another account in secret. Enero. In Italian. Enero. I just, oh, I just love that. It's so nice. Enero. Oh, my God. Racist. Just like, just like Miss, what's her name? Miss Landis. Just like Miss Landis. Um, they would come and they would give them money and they would deposit it in a bank account somewhere else in a different currency. So they were basically, they were cleaning money. Or they were hiding black money at least because it's oh not it's it's my not taxed. God. And the Vatican was doing this. Every ah! supposedly Michelle Sandona said that every bank in Italy was doing this, but that the Vatican was also doing it, which is I'm like sure ten times he worse. Wasn't lying though. No, he wasn't, and he had to tell Marcinkus that like this is something that happened at the IOR. Like Michelle Sandona told me, he's like, no, you guys do this. You guys have done it for a long time, and Marcinkus didn't know because he was so uninvolved in finances that he didn't actually know what was going on. Like, why would you lie that much? I don't know, dude. He just really wanted to be powerful. Basically, he wanted to be a cardinal someday. Well, some dreams don't come true. Archbishop. Got him. Got him. Boom. Roasted. I don't know why you would want to be any of those things. It's so boring. All you do is pray and not have sex. Boring. Um, and it's, it's a little after... This point that, um, so Hambrose, the big bank in London and Sindona, have been doing dealings for a long time, 10 years, I think, at this point. Uh, they decide to back out of their business with Sindona kind of suddenly because, uh, at this point, we've already talked about kind of the, the mafia suggestions of Sindona and people are really starting to believe it and people are kind of like wary of dealing with Sindona because of this I don't blame them yeah and and Hambro started to be one of them and I actually have a really fun uh quote the head of Hambro's Milan (laughs) branch (laughs) said this about Sindona we found ourselves riding a tiger and (laughs) (laughs) and not knowing how to get off the deals were becoming too big, and he was moving much too fast. Basically, he was like, the way he made holding deals is that he would just buy something that he's like, this will work, and then he'll start investing in it, and that he did that so much that sometimes he would even forget what he bought. Oh, this is like me and emails, man. I will email about projects and not remember what I emailed about. So they part ways, and this is kind of one of the first steps on his way down. You know, he he ends up merging a couple of banks he has, the uh, Banca Privata Financiaria and the Banca Union, or Unione, Unione. Someone from Italy is going to listen to this and, like, destroy us. I don't speak Italian. I'm so sorry. Uh, He merges them together to make something called the Banca Privata Italiana, uh, which was a $1.6 billion bank, which is Insane. It was That's one, huge. Yeah, it was one of the largest banks of its time under what he tried to make earlier with that international bank that never ended up working out. International. Um, so, Michel Sindona has friends in the Vatican. He lost his friends in London, but he has American uh, footholds in the Brown Paper Company. Um, he has some of the largest... Uh, he has one of the largest stages on international finance. He... He is owning companies in Liechtenstein. He owns Finnebank in Geneva. He 
has risen highly in Italian finances, but only to be cut down by the state socialist party and Enrico Cuccia on multiple, multiple occasions. He chooses to leave Italy after the socialists. So there's a there's another Democratic uh, Christian in office right now. Okay. As the prime minister. Uh, socialists purposely try to ruin the Italian uh, economy to get them out of office. This happens so much. It's like literally every like 10 years in Italy for some reason, there's like a coup. It's fucking crazy. I don't know. I. It's so weird. It must have been so shitty to live in. Well, it's a, It's basically all of the Axis powers after World War II right. just got thrown into a shit ton of turmoil. And this is what happened. And literally the socialists are like, what we're going to do is we are literally going to devalue the lire or like the, the lire, the lyre. I don't know what they're called, but the Italian monetary unit. At the time. Yes. They, they're like, we're going to undersell a bunch of it. So basically, we're going to like devalue it by selling it at a lower price on purpose. And at first... I'm shaking my head. You cannot see it, but I'm just shaking my head. Just, I don't know. Just shit's crazy. They end up doing it after literally Michelle Zendona calls up the prime minister because he's friends with him. Of course. Of course. And he's like, they're going to do this. And then they tried to block it, but they couldn't. Um, And the economy tanks hard. And the government is overthrown, and the socialists take up take up uh, root in the president or in the prime ministry again. They have control of the government, and he gets the fuck out of Italy <laughs> because he knows. Well, he knows the socialists don't like him. He knows Enrico Cucci doesn't like him. He knows a bunch of other people in the socialist party don't like him because he's very outwardly uh, expressive that he loves capitalism. That capitalism is the good way to go uh, because he's a He's literally a, a banker, so of course he likes capitalism. And he gets the fuck out. He goes to Finnebank in Geneva, and he stays in Geneva. And as he goes there, there's like these bombings that happen in Milan. Like, there's social unrest. Literally, like, a couple of his friends get killed in bombings. Like, big financiers in Milan die. And one night, there's a knock on his door. He goes to the door, he opens it up. It's a young woman. He knows that she is a paid member of the Communist Party of Italy, but she's also the daughter of one of his friends that he's done a lot of great service through his time in business. She looks at him, she says, you need to come with me. Because at midnight, someone is coming to kill you. Oh, shit. This was not on the internet. He agrees with her. He goes to, an, to, an, to her hotel on the other side of the river. He comes back in the morning. All of his locks are expertly broken. Nothing else is disturbed in his apartment, but someone tried to get in, found that he wasn't there, and left. And that was the first attempt that someone made on Michelle Sindona's life. And. Wow. And the epitome of the rise of a star from his time of lemons and grain in the island of Sicily in Italy to one of the largest bankers in Italian finances in history to literally knowing the Pope to moving to Milan, 
to merging his banks into the one of the largest banks in the entirety of Italian history to starting money wrecks uh, with Carlo and literally doing more transactions than any bank in a whole year. Finally, someone tries to kill him. It's, it's a little shocking it took this long. Yeah. And that's where we're going to leave it. Yes. On part one of Michelle Sindona. And that's only the rise. That's, only, that's just the rise. He isn't fully. is insane. Next, we have a, a crazy story of, oh. of murder. Murder. Kidnapping. Uh, yeah. Uh, or attempted treason. Treason. Uh, death. Yeah. It's other shit. It's insane. So stay tuned because next week is going to be insane. This this was the rise. Wait for the fall. <laughs> so thank you so much for listening again. Uh, please rate us uh, or follow us on whatever podcast service you listen us to. For titty pics. <laughs> rate, hashtag rate us for titty pics. Uh, this has been another episode of White, White Collars. Collars. Red hands. If you liked this week's episode, please review, rate, or share it on whatever podcasting service you use. Your support helps motivate us to create better content in the future. And if you didn't like the podcast, you can help us improve by sending an email to whitecollarsredhands at gmail.com with Amazon gift card codes and suggestions on how to improve, which we will definitely read. And remember, mo' money, mo' problems. See you next week.